Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Well, good morning, Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. How you guys feeling? Um, I'm sorry to say I'm not pop. I don't know if y'all could tell. We do look some similar. Um, but Pop and Nick and I want to say around 20 or so other guys from the church are heading up to man camp. Um, uh, and so they left yesterday morning. And so I'm sorry, but you're stuck with me this morning. Um, Pop will be back next week. This morning we are in second Samuel 24. Um, we're winding down the book of second Samuel. And, uh, you know, we have some, some of the last actions that David did, and we're going to we're gonna discuss on why they were wrong and uh, the repercussions of um, some of, you know, David's final, final sins that he did um, while he was king of Israel. So uh, we're going to pray and, and get right into it. Father, thank you, Lord, for this, this time, Lord, that we can just, we can, we can wake up, we can... Uh, Drink some coffee, wipe the wipe the sleep from our eyes, Father, and we can just begin our day spending in fellowship with our brothers and sisters here. But ultimately, Lord, filling it, follow, uh, being in fellowship with you, Jesus, um, to start our day for the Lord. I pray that you will be with us during this time, Lord God, and and just continue to speak to us and reveal new things from your Word to us. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. All right, so. Second Samuel 24, and like usual, I am reading from the New King James Version. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Now go throughout all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and count the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are, and may the eyes of the Lord the king see it. But why does my Lord the king desire this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the, cap the captains of the army. Therefore Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. And they crossed over the Jordan and, and camped at Aror on the right side of the town, which is in the midst of the ravine of Gad, and towards Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tatim Hodshi. They came to Danjan and around to Sidon. And they came to the stronghold of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. Then they went south, went, went to south Judah as far as Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel... 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, thus says, 
says the Lord. I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall, or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see the, what answer I should take back to him who sent me. And David said to, to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning to the appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, their Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. Verse 18. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arunah, the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Arunah looked and saw the, the king and his servants coming towards him. So Arunah went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Arunah said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt offering and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these things, O, God, o king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, may the lord your God accept you. And the king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. Amen. Amen. All right. So what we're seeing here is David doing something he should not have been doing. He should not have been um, calling for a census of the people. And it says, um, in verse one, that uh, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and He moved David. Now, uh, the translators of 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 this version believe that the the He um, in this sentence applies to God, because and, and that's why they capitalized um, the word He here. But if we read this same story in First Chronicles 21, it's, it tells us, it says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. The best explanation for this um, is that Satan um, prompted King David to do that, and he's actually the he um, here in verse 1. Yet the Lord um, expressly allowed it as a chastisement against David. So God God allowed Satan to move, you know, and, and and he allowed Satan to tempt David, you know. So it's not that God told David to do it, because why why would God be angry with what he told David to do? You know, it doesn't really make sense. So the best explanation is that he allowed Satan to do this. Um, and when it says go and number Israel and Judah, this was this was uh, uh dangerous because um of Exodus 30 uh, verse 12, 
And that says, when you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give you a ransom for himself to the Lord when you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. The principle of Exodus 30, verse 12, speaks to God's ownership of his people. And, and, and the thinking of, of ancient cultures during this time is that a, a man only had a right to count or, or number um, what belonged to him. Israel did not belong to David. Judah did not belong to David. Israel and Judah belonged to God. And it was up to God to command accounting, to command a, a census of the people. If, if David counted, he should only do it at God's command, right? And there are portions in the scriptures where, where God did command a, a census of the people. This wasn't it, right? David took it upon himself to do this. And so his, his people um, began questioning him. Verse 3, why does my lord the king desire this thing? Joab, the commander of his army, wasn't afraid to speak to David when he thought the king was wrong. And, and and with the best interests of, of both Daniel of uh, David and Israel in mind, Joab asked David to, to reconsider this foolish desire to count the nation. This is so key, guys, because Joab was one of David's trusted men, right? And they had relationship. So it was kind of one of those deals where it didn't, didn't matter how big David got. He had guys around him who could uh, um, call him out on his stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, hey, this is this isn't right. You know, now it's, it's kind of like you're you're the king, and I'm gonna do what you ask me. But are you sure this is what we need to be doing? Are you sure this is what God has commanded you to do? And that is that is so key because too often, guys, we take our own advice. You hear me? We take our own advice. We have an idea, and we're like, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. And you don't heed the counsel of the people that God has placed in your life. You don't heed the counsel of, of trusted advisors, trusted elders, you know. And so David, he just did this. He just did this. And, and Joab also hinted at the motive behind counting the people. And that motive was pride in David. This 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 thing that David desired. Um, ultimately was was the the increase of of the nation you know he wanted to see the nation grow and so he wants to see where are we at you know and perhaps he wanted to measure the um the size of the army to you know just in case he wanted to have some more conquests later in his life you know get as much conquest in as possible let me see how many fighting men i have you know to see if this this is even possible and and, and so late in his reign david was tempted to take some of the glory for himself he looked at Israel and how it how it had grown and how it had prospered during his reign, as if it was all his own doing, as if as if God had nothing to do with the prosperity that Israel had 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 reached, you know. And this count was a way to take credit for himself. But it says in verse four, nevertheless, the the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the armory. This, it wasn't just Joab who questioned him, who tried to tell David not to do it. The captains of the army did the same thing, you know? So it's like Joab and the other captains, 
they were in unison as, as far as saying, this ain't a good idea, you know? So now, so now you got a whole bunch of your friends telling you, this ain't a good idea. Hey, hey, King, it's not a good idea. And David's still like, I don't think this is a good idea. You know, refusing, refusing to listen to counsel. You know, and so David did it anyway. He went ahead, do the count, you know, and then it said it took almost uh, almost 10 months to complete the census. And, and and at any point, David could have called it off. Right. At any point, you know, he could allow he could have allowed wisdom to take over so he could make the right decision. And he did it. He went he went he went through with the census. And so the results of the census was that there was 1.3 million fighting men among the 12 tribes of Israel. That's a lot of people. And that's just the fighting men, right? 800,000 in Israel, 500,000 in just Judah, fighting men, ready, ready to go. And at this time in Israel, it's estimated that the, 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 the entire population was right around 6 million people. Right. Let's put this into perspective. Currently, um, the U.S. military, U.S. military, that's all four branches of the military, has around 1.4 million active duty military personnel. Right. That's not including National Guard and reserves, but active duty 1.4. So Israel at the time had almost as big of an army a military as we have in the United States right now, right? And we have a total population in, in the United States of around $334 million, excuse me, <laughs> $334 million people. Um, think about that. Right around the same amount of uh, army, you know, as Israel had, yet we have nearly 330 million more people. That's how vast the army was in Israel. Now, if we when we read about this in, in, in 1 Chronicles 21, there's a few different numbers, you know, that, that Chronicles says is more like 1.5 million fighting men. It doesn't really matter. There was a whole lot of men that were, that were ready to fight, right? Israel had a huge, huge army, right? You know, David had a lot of men behind him if he wanted to do something, right? Vast difference from when he was running from Saul and he had like 30 dudes behind him. You know, now he, my man had 1.3 million fighting men. And when the numbers came back to him, when the, when Joab and the captains tell him, you know, the, the result of the census, verse 10 says, David's heart condemned him. You see this man after, after God's own heart, you know, he was not sinless. He wasn't perfect, but he had a heart that was sensitive enough to sin to know when he had committed it, right? He realized what he had done, you know, and, and, and David now saw the pride and the vain glory that prompted him to do such a foolish thing in counting the people. So God sends the prophet to confront David, right? Thank God for prophets in the Old Testament, especially in David's life, who were not afraid to confront the king who were not afraid to confront arguably the most powerful man on the planet at that time, right? Let's just be real, right? 
And so he went. He says, I offer you three things. God used David's sin and, and the resulting chastisement that he was gonna that he was gonna receive to, to reveal David's heart and wisdom. And his his choice of, of, of the following three options was uh, to continue the test against David. What was he gonna choose? Seven years of famine, flee for three months from his enemies, or three days plague over the land, right? That's tough. Right? Famine, enemies, plague. What do you what, what would you pick? If you if you were given those choices, what would you pick? Right? Because seven years of famine, you know, this this was going to result in death, right? People were going to die all over Israel. But you know, those who were wealthy, who had some resources, they would probably survive. You know, and, and Israel would probably have to end up depending on neighboring nations for help and for aid to be given. You know, perhaps those same neighboring nations that David in the back of his head was considering, hey, if I have enough men, I may have to take them out. You know, maybe he would, you know, if, if, he, if they went this route, he would have to rely on these nations now for help. He could have fleed for, for you know, for, for three months from his enemies. And this would be the death of, you know, again, some people in Israel, mostly the, the soldiers and the army that were going to be following him, fighting off these enemies, you know. And again, Israel would have to contend with, with you know, enemies from, from neighboring nations helping out, you know, um, during this. Or he could have chose three days plague in the land. And this would also cause death to people in Israel. But in this instance, anyone could be affected by the plague. Rich or poor, influential or anonymous, the common folk or royalty. Anyone could be affected by this plague. And so he says, um, the prophet says, consider and, what, and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. This is interesting to know that God wanted David to use the prophet as a mediator. And to answer the prophet instead of going directly to God. It's almost as if God was saying, like, you didn't listen to me. You know, you didn't listen to me. You know, you have put a stop. You have put a blockage between, between you and I. Because when I spoke, you didn't listen. You did your own thing. So now we're going to use the prophet. And so he says, please let me fall into the land of the Lord, into the hand of the Lord. By saying this, David means to, that he's going to choose the three days plague. The other two options, the king and his family could, could be safe from danger. But David knew that he had to expose himself to the wrath of God. He knew that he needed to pay a price for, for his sin. One commentator writes, had he chosen war, his own personal safety was in danger because uh, was in no danger because there was already an ordinance preventing the king from going to battle. Had he chosen famine, his own wealth would have secured his and his own family's support. But he showed the greatness of his mind in choosing the pestilence to the ravages of which himself and his household were exposed equally. David was not going to run from, from the punishment, right? And we see this throughout David's life. He messes up. He's confronted. He repents. You know, he messes up. He's confronted. He repents. He doesn't pass the blame. 
He doesn't say, hey, but, but they did and he did and she, no, I've messed up. I need to pay the consequences. And verse 15 tells us that 70,000 men of the people died, 70,000 people. And this was a, this was a huge disaster for Israel. And it was a devastating plague striking so many in such, such a short period of time. And then the Lord relents from his destruction. And by the Lord relenting, this justifies David's wisdom in, in leaving himself in God's hand. And he says, uh, David says, let your hand, I pray, be against me and my father's house. Like a true shepherd. Because in his heart, David was more a shepherd than anything. That's what he knew. That was in his blood, being a shepherd. And David asked that the punishment be on him and his household. Like, don't affect the sheep. I'll pay the price for this. And having another purpose to accomplish, God did not accept his offer of punishment, of being chastised. But but this this shows us David's heart. Put the punishment on me. I'll take it. Don't let the people suffer for my sin. And so God tells him, uh, the, the prophet tells, tells David, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. This is where David met the angel of the Lord. And if you remember um, it, that whenever we read about the angel of the Lord, you know, this is called a Christophany. Right? A Christophany is nothing more than an Old Testament manifestation of Jesus, right? Jesus was there. And, and, this, and in this place, David met the angel of the Lord and where God relented from the plague before it hit Jerusalem. See, the plague was moving. Right, but before it could hit Jerusalem, the capital, God stopped it, and now God wanted David to meet him there and worship. And the threshing floor of Aruna um, had both a rich history, and it's going to have a rich future for the people of Israel, because Second Chronicles three one tells us that the threshing floor was actually on Mount Moriah, and if you remember from back in Genesis. Mount Moriah, Genesis 22 specifically, Mount Moriah is the mountain that Abraham took his son Isaac to be sacrificed. And later on down the road, Mount Moriah will go by another name of Golgotha, where Jesus would be crucified on the cross for our sins. So important, the significance of this, of this, 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 this spot of land. Verse 21 says, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord. David wanted to transform this place into a place of sacrifice and worship. It would remain a place of sacrifice and worship because the land purchased by David became the site of Solomon's temple. That we'll read about in 1 Chronicles 21. So it's so significant. It's as if God was saying, you know, this is my spot. This is where I want my presence to be. You chose to do things on your own and not even consult me. Okay, I'm going to come to you. This is where this is where it's going to happen. Because we know David always wanted to build a temple. And David was already preparing and gathering supplies and getting ready for this in inevitability. And so here it is. 
buy this land. And then by the way, this is going to be the land, you know, and God being God also knew the significance of that land, you know, thousands of years later on. Verse 22 says, let my Lord, the King take and offer up whatever seems good to him. So Arona, you know, Aruna, he, he had, he had a good and generous heart and he wanted to give David anything he wanted, you know, he, and he offered him the land. He even offered him ox to, to, to do the sacrifices. And he says, Hey, take, take everything. You know, even the wood for, for the goads that you know that we 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 uh we use to control the ox, even use that for the burnt offering, take it, take everything. But had his offer been accepted, it would have been Arona's sacrifice and not David's. David knew he had to lose something, he had to give something for this. Because he says, I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with what with that which costs me nothing. David knew that um, it would not be a gift nor or a sacrifice if the Lord for the Lord if it did not cost him something, and he didn't look for the cheapest way possible to please God. Right? He wanted to he wanted to give a sacrifice. And how often do we want to want to give God the smallest of us? Right? He wants we want it, we want we want to please God in the, in the cheapest way. Right. You know, you know, God speaks to us and tells us to do this, thing, this thing, that thing, whatever it is, X, Y and Z. And we're like, OK, but I'm going to do this instead. Right. And think is good enough for God. You know, the Lord in his word tells us to give of our tithes, you know, and, and, and so what do we do? We give just the bare minimum, you know. And I'm, this, is, this is I'm not going to get into all the giving and whatnot, but but David did not want to give the cheapest thing. He want, he understood that any gift to God had to be a sacrifice. He who has a, a religion that costs him nothing has a religion that is worth nothing. Nor will any man esteem the ordinance of God if our ordinance costs him nothing. If our sacrifice costs us nothing, if our worship costs us nothing, it's not worth anything. Worship is a sacrifice, right? And and, and, and sacrifice in, in many forms, your, your time, your pride, you know? A lot of us, when, when we're when we're at uh, Sunday worship, you know, it's easy for people to, to feel embarrassed because you're worshiping God. Why? Why? It's simple. But that may be a struggle that you have inside, and, and, and part of your worship is sacrificing that embarrassment to God. You know, David knew he had to give something. He couldn't just take, you know, and it would have been easy for the king to go around saying, I want this, I want this, make this happen. Give it to me. I'm the king. I deserve it. You know, but David knew he had to give something. So once he paid, it says he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. This shows that David understood that that the death of these 70,000 men in Israel during the plague did not atone for his sin. Did not did not atone for Israel's sin. Atonement could only be made through the blood of a of a of, a, of an approved substitute. Burnt offerings were to, were to atone for sin, while peace offerings were to enjoy fellowship with God. And this shows us from the beginning to the end of David's life, it was marked by fellowship with God. And any time, and we we see it any time, David, you know, wasn't 
completely in fellowship with God, that's when he messed up. That's when he messed up. Anytime David was doing, you know, was doing something that um, was a sin, that caused separation between him and God, that's when he continued to mess up, right? And isn't that true for us as well? When we're not daily in his word, we're not daily uh, in prayer with the Lord, we're not daily in worship, right? You know, you tend you 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 start to see there's there's some lasting effects of that because we're no longer in communion with God. And you go a day and you might be okay. Two days you might be okay, right? And then by day three you're starting to something's different. Something's different. You don't have that peace on you. You know, you're not you're, you're walking different. People are starting to anger you. You know, you're having those nasty thoughts of people, you know, you're driving around, someone cuts you off and, you know, and it's, a, it's about you, you're about to lose your salvation over something, right? Why? Because you're no longer in communion with God. That fellowship has been broken and not by him, it's by us. We break the fellowship. So after David offers the sacrifice, it says the Lord heeded the prayers for the lamb. God showed his acceptance of David's sacrifice by, by in, in First Chronicles, it says about the sacrifice that he consumed it with fire. God honored David's desire to, to be right and, and, and to fellowship with God by answering with divine blessings from heaven. Once David got right, the blessings came back. Once David realized his sin and he repented and he paid for his sin, he sacrificed to God you know, for uh, on behalf of himself and his people, the blessings return. And this is always the way when, when God's children draw near to their God and draw near to the Father and, and, and cleansing and fellowship continues. So my brothers and sisters, as, as we begin to close, you know, what, is, there, is there an area in your life that, that you, you, you found you, you're, you're kind of messing up in? Right, you, you may be some sin in your life, and it's time for us to repent and to return to the Father, ask for forgiveness, offer repentance to the Lord, right? To get back in line in fellowship with Jesus Christ, because you may find yourself, you know, like really questioning what is going on right now in my life, like what is what is happening here, and maybe it is you just you you know you you've you've kind of walked away from God for a little bit. You're still coming to church. You're still getting on 6 a.m. soap, or you're listening. You know, on the, you have your daily routine of jumping on the podcast to to listen to one one of us speakers, and and you're 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 checking off all the boxes. You're going through all the steps, right? But there's still something missing. God doesn't want steps. God doesn't want just a routine. God wants a deep relationship with Him. Whenever David was out of order. That's when the sin came in. That's when, you know, the, 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 the things that he should not have been doing that began to creep in to his life. And so many people paid the price. And the way I read it, even as he got older, and you would think as he's getting older, he should be much more wiser, you know, not so, so susceptible to making dumb decisions. But look, but look let's look. You know, he committed the sin with Bathsheba, right? And we've we've been over this already. But what, what happened? He committed adultery. One man was killed as a result of it. 
Here, David, you know, he come, he does a census of the people, disobeying the word of the Lord by doing so, and now 70,000 people are dead. 70,000 people. Your sin does not just affect you, brothers and sisters. So whatever it is that you have, whatever it is that's causing separation between you and God, you got to get it right. You got to get it right. And if, you, and if you're struggling with something, it's time for you now to stop and pray to the Lord and repent. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's the amazing thing about God. Once David got right, every single time he messed up, the blessings came back. His presence came back. And we know that God, and the other amazing thing about all this, and I'm going to end with this, no matter what happened, no matter what David did, he was always a man after God's own heart. Just because you're a man after God's own heart, you're a woman after God's own heart, doesn't make you sinless, doesn't make you perfect. You still mess up, right? You don't lose your salvation just because you mess up, you know? As long as we stop, we get a course correction. As Pop would say, you keep your focus back on God. And everything will turn out right. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for, for a, a continuing example of David, Lord. Lord, we mess up all the time. Lord, I know I do. And it's easy for us just to forget about our sin, just to overlook it and, and move on. But, but Lord, you want so much more for us, Lord. You want so much, you want us to grow so much more and get closer to you, Father. So I pray, Lord, that that you will continue to be faithful, Lord Jesus, to, to, to allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to show us those, those places in our hearts that, that we, we have not fully committed to you, Jesus. Those areas in our life that, that is continually causing us to sin, Father. And Lord, I, Father, we repent of those sins. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord. Your Lord, please continue to be with us, Father. Continue to bless us. Keep us and guide us, Jesus. I pray for everyone on this call, everyone listening later on, Jesus, that you would just be speaking to them right now. Right now, as they hear the sound of, the, of my voice, Lord Jesus, you're speaking to them, Jesus. You're shining a light on those areas that they need to adjust. Lord, and I pray that ultimately, Father, we just get closer to you. That ultimately, we just continue to seek your presence. We continue to, 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 to try to delve deeper into your word, deeper into knowing who you are and who you want us to be, Father. Lord, we praise you and we continue to lift up your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, church, love y'all. I'll see you again next week. God bless.